Tune in to the Return of the Mac podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon on Spotify and Anchor and coming soon to YouTube. So many of you have heard about, or you may not have heard, about the situation going on with the Miami Dolphins football team and their coach, Brian Flores. And before I go forward with my commentary on this, I do want to disclose, first and foremost, that I am a lifelong, and I mean a lifelong, Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, Literally since I was like five years old, one of the first things I can remember is being a fan of the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are a football team based in, you guessed it, Miami, Florida. They are really one of the signature franchises of the NFL. Um, They boast a, uh, they boast uh, two Super Bowl titles, one in 1971 and again, no, one in 72 and 73. They are one of the where they used to be one of the winningest franchises in the uh, NFL. Um, They also boast uh, having had the winningest coach in the NFL and Don Shula, Shula, um, a record I don't think that anybody's gotten yet. And I I think the closest person is Bill Belichick. And the last I heard, he'd have to coach like another 10 10 or 15 years of winning seasons to even get close to catching Don Shula's record. Um, and uh, one of the winningest quarterbacks of all time to never win a Super Bowl, and that's Dan Marino. And so this is a franchise that's got uh, a lot of storied history behind it. Some of the greatest players who have ever played the game, so the, some of the most notor- notor- notorious, is that right? Notorious players. I don't want to say notorious, it sounds bad. Um, some of the most uh, prominent uh, players who've ever played the game of football uh, were Miami Dolphins, to include, again, Dan Marino. Uh, Ricky Williams finished his career basically with Miami. But uh, the Miami Dolphins have been a crappy franchise for the last easily 20 years. They've endured multiple losing seasons. They've endured... Uh, multiple coaches. Uh, I don't know if they've made the playoffs maybe a handful of times, and those times that they have made the playoffs have been uh, debacles in terms of how the team performed. Um, And it just seems like one one ridiculous uh, scandal, uh, public relations scandal after another. Um. There was the famous, there was uh, the, the, the big time, uh, there was a big scandal uh, in the 90s, in the late 90s. Or was it? No, that was 2000s, I guess. When Ricky Williams, who we had traded to, or, or traded from New Orleans to acquire Ricky Williams, who was still one of the greatest running backs who've ever, who's ever played, um, got caught with marijuana for a third time and was basically suspended for an entire season 
that happened under the Miami Dolphins. And then, um, let's see, when there was the 1-15 in season we had, uh, that was horrible. But it was, of course, well-publicized because not many people, not many teams, rather, were having 1-15 seasons. They were rarely rare. And so when it did, it was highly publicized. Then we hired a coach named Joe Philbin, who I think he had been the, either the quarterbacks or the offensive line coach at, at um, Green Bay. So he's supposed to be one of these up-and-coming great coaches. And um, his tenure was a disaster. Under him, we got uh, what was called Bounty Gate. Not Bounty Gate. That was uh, New Orleans. It was uh, Bully Gate. That's what it was. A kid named Jonathan Martin, who got drafted out of, I believe, Stanford, was basically accused of form, uh, uh, a teammate, Richie Incognito, of bullying him. And there were text messages that came forth of all these vile and disgusting things that uh, Incognito had said about about Jonathan Martin, it was just—it was a whole fiasco, just an absolute public relations nightmare. Nothing about football, just about two men who had an issue and all this kind of stuff going on. So then we get rid of Philbin. There's another coach in there st stuck in there. Then we hire this guy named Adam Gase. Gase was supposed to be a great guy. He's supposed to be this fantastic coach, and. Uh, he was, he came in, he did some things. We had a winning season under him. And then uh, all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, there is a report surfaced that the, one of the coaches, one of his, uh, one of the assistant coaches um, is, caught snorting cocaine before a team meeting and recorded it and sent it to a girl. Coach Chris Forster was his name. So this Chris Forster guy is, a, again, an assistant coach for the Miami Dolphins. He records himself talking to his mistress, some stripper, talking about the baby they had and all this kind of crazy stuff and saying disgusting stuff while snorting cocaine on a video to send to her. And then she turns around and sends it out. So there's that, right? So again, just multiple, just, and it, as a Dolphins fan for me, inside looking out, it seems like every year there's something. Every coach, there's something. Uh, and let's and let's go back even further than that. I don't even I, so let's go back to the Nick Saban years. So we hired Nick Saban, who had not gone to Alabama yet. He was just coming off of a, a, a ton of success at LSU, and this is a high-profile hiring. We bring this guy in. He is a he was he's ridiculous as a coach. I think the team goes like four and twelve. He has a highly publicized uh, video was released of him chewing out a, a um, rookie 
defensive lineman that we had drafted to the point of the guy sobbing in a practice as as Saban's berating him. So let's go back even further than that. So before that, we have the, the coach. Uh, we had another high-profile coach, Jimmy Johnson himself. The guy uh, who owned the team then, the name was Wayne Huizenga. I think he would, I can't remember what kind of business success or corporate success that Wayne Huizenga had had before he bought the Dolphins. But Huizenga hires Jimmy Johnson, which everybody thinks is going to be the great. Here we go. Jimmy Johnson hadn't been, well, he'd been a few years off of uh, leaving the, the, the Dallas Cowboys because he was, I think he is, was doing studio stuff then. Um, and so we hired Jimmy Johnson. Well, Jimmy Johnson coaches the team for one year and decides he's depressed and he doesn't want to coach the team anymore. Now, Wayne Huizenga, being the businessman that he does, he just throws money at Jimmy Johnson to the point where Jimmy Johnson reluctantly comes back to coach the team. Now, listen, I, I'm not a, a NFL, uh, I'm not an NFLer. I've never played NFL in the NFL. I don't know what it's like. But what I can say for sure is that if a man's heart's not in it, especially at the level of an NFL coach, He's not going to do well. It's just not going to happen. And so, but Jimmy Johnson, he pays Jimmy Johnson all this money to come back. And it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And so, it's with all that in mind that we come to 2022. Now, let me give you a little bit of backstory on 2022. So, now we've gone through all those coaches we finally fire Adam Gase because he's a nightmare. And we hire a man named Brian Flores. Brian Flores spent, I think, about 15 years in the New England Patriots organization. So he's been coaching under, he started, I think, in the a video crew or something. I can't remember what, they, what he started, but these... A lot of these coaches nowadays are getting their start. They're not getting their start as assistant coaches. Some of these guys are getting their starts as um, they're they're getting their started like on the video crew or or you know picking up trash in the stadium. Like these guys, you know. So Brian Flores is that kind of guy. He he started off just scouting and and he started off doing video and then he moved to scouting and then. He, the, you know, he just slowly moves up in the organization. And so he spent like 10 or 12 or 15 something like years with the New England Patriots. Long time. Long enough to to experience the Patriot way, quote unquote. Long enough to experience what it takes and what it means and what the, the what it means to instill culture. What it means to have a business-like approach to playing football. And so... You know, Brian Flores knows his stuff. So it's it's a it's a, he's looked at as one of the, the again, one of the up and coming coaches in the NFL. His name's mentioned every time there's a job opening. Um and so you know, bada bing, we hire Brian Flores. And it's great. First year Brian Flores comes in, he the, the team doesn't do that great. 
Uh, they start off like 0-4, 0-5, and Brian Flores and the team starts trading away top talent. Uh, notably, one of the notable guys who got traded away was Minka Fitzpatrick, who uh, who came from Alabama, who uh, a safety who we were who was highly touted, um, and I think made the Pro, Pro Bowl his first year under Adam Gase. And then we again we we trade for we trade this guy to the Steelers, and so there's this mass uh, exodus of shedding top talent, um, and they clean house, and so it doesn't. There's not great prospects for the season. We go from 0 and 4 to start the season to something like 0 and 7 or 0 and 8, but then something happens. All of a sudden, the team turns around, and Brian Flores coaches his ass off basically for the for the remainder of that season and the dolphins end up like eight and eight you know not going to make the playoffs but things were looking up and you could see the progress of the players as the time goes on so why am i telling you all this there's more to it but but here's the upshot this brian flores was fired unceremoniously by the dolphins after another season in which they started off one and seven and wind up being just out of the playoffs yet again. No, they didn't. I, I, I take that back. That's, that was last season. Last season, they went 10 and six and barely missed the playoffs. This year, they go one and seven to start the playoffs, and then they go on about a seven-game winning streak. All right? Now... The Dolphins had drafted Tua Tonga Viola, who is a uh, who was touted at one point when he was at Alabama as the next big thing. And Tua came in, and you know he is what he is. I I don't believe he's that great a quarterback, but who knows? So. Brian Flores gets unceremoniously fired. Reports out of Miami, you know how that is, reports out of Miami say that Flores is, quote, unquote, hard to work with. Who the hell knows what that means? Hard to work with. Well, some of us know what that means. So reports come out of Miami that Flores is hard to work with, that he has a bad attitude Basically, you know, saying that people don't want to work with him or that he doesn't want to work with people. So cut to a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago. And my and now he's a free agent on the market. Brian Flores' name is mentioned in all the, the open NFL jobs. The Denver Broncos have an opening. The Houston Oilers have an opening. Houston Oilers, Jesus. The Houston Texans have an opening, Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars, the, the Giants. There's all these openings. There's like eight openings in the NFL. It happens all the time. Uh, every few years, there's this mass firing of, of NFL coaches, and there's this huge you know scramble to see who's going to be the next head coach of whatever team. It's kind of exciting as a football fan, but... So, cut to uh, Brian Flores... Um, is out there as one of the candidates for one of these jobs. And now we turn to 
just the other day, two days ago, or three days ago, Brian Flores is now suing the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos for racial racist for racism in their hiring practices. Because it turns out that one, for one, the New York football giants had decided to bring Brian Flores in for a rigorous interview process when he didn't, he wasn't going to get the job. That they were going to give it to another Brian, a guy named Brian Dable, who uh, another um, Belichick uh, prodigy who coached along with Brian Flores in New England under Brian Belichick. And Brian Dable got the job. So Bill Belichick sends a text that he thinks is going to Brian Dable saying, congratulations, you got the job. That text didn't go to Brian Dable. It went to Brian Flores. And Brian Flores texts text Bill Belichick back and says, what are you talking about? You must have, are you, which Brian are you talking about? Because I don't interview for the job till tomorrow. Which means that the New York football giants have already chosen the guy that they're going to hire. And they're not, but they're just bringing Brian Flores in to satisfy what's called the Rooney Rule. Now, for those of you who don't understand or don't know what the Rooney Rule is, basically, it's a rule that the NFL put in, I think, in 1985. Supposedly, the Rooney Rule is to further or to um, to uh, foster uh, more... African Americans getting NFL head coaching jobs. This is this goes back to the '90s, I believe, early to mid '90s, when um, the rule was instated by the NFL. And again, it was to further the hiring of more African Americans in the NFL. The African American, I'm the African American. The NFL is like 75, I think, or 76 percent. African-Americans in terms of its workforce, the players. But in terms of the amount of coaches in the NFL, there's one. One black coach in the entire NFL. And that's Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Other than that, there's none. And so this Rooney Rule was established basically saying that when you have a coaching opening in the NFL, you had to, you had to interview at least one African-American for that coaching position before you fill it. And so there's a lot of spec, not speculation, but basically you have to you have to interview one black man before you 
can say you fill the position. And so what Brian Flores is alleging in terms of the New York Giants is that they picked their man, but they only interviewed him to fulfill the Rooney rule. And he he's accusing them of racism in their hiring practices by doing that. That they brought him in for a job that they knew where they were not going to give him, that they were hiring a white guy instead. And so there, there's that part of the controversy. The reason he's suing the He's suing the NFL uh, for similar reasons. The reason he's suing the Denver Broncos is because he's, in, according to Brian Flores, he's saying that the Denver Broncos, when they show up for the meeting with him to interview for the job, that they are half-assing it. They're clearly half-assing it. The general manager for the um, Denver Broncos, apparently he accuses him of showing up drunk or at least hung over, saying they'd clearly been out the night before. And so there's and there's so much more to this 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 lawsuit. He's suing the Dolphins um, basically for because they fired him for no reason. That And here's a huge story. Now, there's a story that came out that said my, uh, that, that there was a meeting put together by Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, and I think Chris Greer, who is the black general manager of the Dolphins, um, they wanted to meet with Brian. They wanted, I think they had lunch on... Stephen Ross's yacht. Stephen Ross is like worth like seven billion dollars at this point. Huge amounts of money. So in on Stephen Ross's yacht in Miami. I know the story is all over the place, but there's a hell of a lot to this story. But there's a so I mean I I can't even give commentary. There's so much stuff in here. So Stephen Ross uh, has Brian Flores on his boat, and. What Brian Flores says is that there's a prominent, a prominent quarterback who is currently under contract with another team on the boat. Just quote unquote happened to be in Miami at the marina. His boat was at the marina at the same time, so they all decided to sit down to lunch together. What it really was was. Ross setting up a meeting with Brian Flores to see if Flores would be interested in coaching this guy, this other prominent quarterback, even though that other prominent quarterback was currently under contract with his current team, which is a a big no-no in the NFL. It's, that's tampering. You cannot go in and talk to someone else about playing for you while they're under contract with someone else. That's why they have free agency periods, when those free agency periods close, you cannot talk to someone else who's playing for another team. That's how it works. And But Ross is breaking the rules by doing this. This is the kind of stuff that gets, that has minority owners or, or has majority owners forced to share the shares of the team because they're doing stuff like this. This will also get you, you know, you have the team might have to forfeit draft picks, all this kind of stuff. 
There's massive repercussions for this stuff. And so this meeting takes place. Now, I assumed, because again, there was, a, there was another story that had come out, well, it really pretty much um, permeated the entire season, that Watt, uh, that um, that Deshaun Watson from the Houston, uh, Houston Oilers again, that Deshaun Watson from Houston was the quarterback who was on the boat. That's what I had assumed because there was all of this talk about whether whether or not the Dolphins, that Watson wanted to come play with, for the Dolphins, whether or not the Dolphins were going to bring him in. There was all, and then Flores was going out in press conferences saying because Deshaun Watson's in a lot of trouble for uh, sexually assaulting women. And so there's all this talk about, you know, that going, you know, the Dolphins wanting to bring in Deshaun Watson despite that. Brian Flores is out on the news during press conferences saying they only want quality guys in, in the organization. He only wants to coach quality guys. I remember him saying that specifically. And so I assumed that this meeting was about Watson. And again, there's so many striations to this, it's not even funny. Well, no, turns out that the guy who they were talking about on the boat that day was none other than Psycho Tom himself, Tom Brady. So Tom Brady was still under contract. This is before Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. He was still under contract with New England, and they have him on the boat talking to Stephen Ross and Brian Flores about coming to Miami before he's not under before his free agency started uh between uh after his uh tenure with New England was over. So highly illegal, highly bad stuff going on. So here's all this stuff on the pile for my beloved Miami Dolphins. None of it really about football. But I tell you all this stuff to talk about what what is going on with what with Brian Flores what is Brian Flores doing? What is going to be the repercussions for this? Now, already a lot of people are equating this suit because there's, again, there's talks. There's people coming out saying there's other coaches and players, African-American coaches and players, and some white, coming out and saying that they support Brian Flores and they're on his side. And so now begs the question of, okay, what does that mean for Brian Flores and what does that mean for the NFL? This kind of stuff is huge. And if it snowballs, if it continues to go, what's the repercussions for the NFL? What are the repercussions for black players? What are the repercussions for other black coaches that are out there? There's a lot of great black, highly touted and highly publicized black NFL assistant coaches who, again, every time there's a job opening, you see XYZ, their name is mentioned. Eric Bieniemy, who was a famous West Virginia running back, who now is the assistant. He's, I think, it, I don't know if he's the assistant head coach, but he is. Uh, he calls the plays, the offensive plays for Patrick Mahomes in, in Kansas City under Andy Reid. There's Brian uh, Byron Leftwich, who has been. I don't know where Byron Byron Leftwich is now, but he was in. Um, he may be in Jacksonville. Um, but he's 
a na another name that mentions a black dude. And um, Leslie Frazier, who has had an NFL job, but doesn't have one anymore, but he's still one of the one of the highly touted assistant coaches, black assistant coaches that are constantly being mentioned in as uh, potential head coaching guys. But then suddenly, you know, there's three, four, you know, I think that the NFL average is four or five head coaching openings per season, just the turnover rate. And these guys are always mentioned, but then when everything shakes out, somehow these guys don't have jobs. Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy is is one of the, the the most one of the most recent ones. The last three four seasons, Eric Bieniemy's name has been at the top of the list for uh, possible head coaches. And when the season starts, Eric Bieniemy still didn't have still doesn't have a job. And so. There's 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 something going on in the NFL. And, you know, the NFL owners are billionaires, it's a bunch of billionaire white dudes, and I don't know, maybe and it's interesting what they asked Brian Flores on I think CBS Sports or CBS one of the CBS morning shows, and they said, What do you want? And he said, I want the hearts and minds of people to change. Or the hearts and minds of these guys who are skipping over good African-American talent as coaches to change and have them realize that these guys are these one, these guys are good and two, these guys can do the job and to not treat them like indentured servants. And so there's a commentary for that. Now here's, a, here's another, here's another aspect or, or, or of this that I want to get into you know, and it, it, I because I'm already hearing it. People equating what Brian Flores is doing to what Colin Kaepernick did. It's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even the same league. Brian Flores is using the the legal system to get what it is that he wants. Brian Flores understands too that this is probably the end of his NFL career. I would be very very surprised. If someone gave Brian Flores a an NFL job at this point, I'd be extraordinarily surprised. But to equate him to Colin Kaepernick, to me, is asinine. For one, Brian Flores is a much smarter dude than Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick couldn't stand in a room with Brian Flores. And for two, again, like I said, Brian Flores knows exactly what the consequences are, and he's prepared to face them. He understands. He's not. If however this all shakes out, I highly doubt Brian Flores is going to be out on uh, national television talking trash about the NFL and and imploring them to quote unquote do the right thing and do what the people want. You know, Brian Flores knows that, that the NFL is a powerful entity. He knows they're going to come after him. But he wants he wants them to do what's right. So we'll see how this all shakes out, but it's just it, the, the striations of this, and I know I, I, I've, I've kind of jumped all around this thing, but being a Miami Dolphins fan, you know, I'm reading things, you know, I'm reading all the rumor sheets and everything that comes out, everything I can get my hands on about this stuff. 
and there and and I ha- I'm reading all this coupled with my heart as a fan for my for the team that I love. And you know, me and some of my other Miami Dolphins buddies have been talking about, well, you know, is this the end of our fandom for the team? And I have to say, it's probably more than likely not. I'm not going to say more than likely. It's not. I, I, I've, I've tried. I joke with my dad all the time that I should have been a damn uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan because he's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He's a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I ask him all the time, why didn't you make me a Philadelphia? Why didn't you beat me and make me a Philadelphia Eagles fan? Should have been a damn Steelers fan. I played for the Steelers in in, uh, Little League. Boy, my life would be so much different. I'd be crying, but it'd just be about Big Ben leaving. But who knows where this goes? There's a lot of race issues tied up in it. And I'm going to talk about that some more in some upcoming episodes. Because obviously, this stuff's going to go on. Who knows how long this is going to last. And that's the interesting thing, too. Again, that's another reason why... Uh, Colin Cap, the whole Colin Kaepernick argument is asinine because, the you know what Kaepernick did was maybe a a little bit of bad press for the NFL. This is the potential to be a massive black eye for them. Like Brian Flores is really going to stick it to them. Just the publicity, just in the court of public opinion alone, he's going to make these guys sit down under oath. May not be in a courtroom, but there's going to be depositions. They're going to have to sit down under oath and explain themselves. And I've already seen it. They've all put out statements. The NFL put out a statement. The Dolphins put out a statement. And the other two teams, the Giants and the and the uh, uh, Denver Broncos, all put out statements saying this is entirely false. And we resent these claims and all this stuff. But here we are. And we'll see where this goes. But there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of uh, of of things about race and and it's an the NFL just sticking their faces in it again and again and again. So we'll see where this goes, and we'll see what comes of the lawsuits. Hey, you've just listened to another extended clip of the Return of the Mac podcast. I am J-Mac, the Mac in Return of the Mac. Doing it here twice a week on Spotify and on Anchor and coming soon in 2022 to YouTube.